like for us, Liveria Skin and Go, this is our first time to be at CES. And, you know, we're there alongside, you know, all the big players that are there. So it really comes down to, you know, I think building your community, you know, creating that awareness of, of being at that event and kind of encouraging people to go out. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's like, what, what are people like, what, what are the trends? Where, where is business going? On today's show, we're talking to Valerie Vicante, Director of Strategy at Live Area, and someone who has just got back from the first virtual CES. So we're talking to Valerie to find out how her experience was when you aren't going to Vegas. This is Tech Talks, your twice-weekly technology podcast with myself, David Savage, where we talk to leaders from across the industry and bring you some news and opinion. Did you build a snowman, Haley? I didn't. I'll be honest. I was hungover oh. in bed. <laughs> oh no! Tell me, tell me, you got out in the snow even if you didn't build a snowman. No, I was, I was gone to the world. Terrible. What, so by the time you woke up, it had kind of been and gone and thawed. No, the snow was out there, but I was. Um, it was that bad of a hangover that I couldn't even physically lift the head off the pillow. Oh, that's such a shame. <laughs> I know. I'm actually gutted. I'm like, oh, can it do it again? I really missed out. For anyone who's listening who's who's basically not from London, which I appreciate there are quite a lot of you, snow in London is incredibly rare. Yeah. Um, where where I'm from, where my mum and dad live, six foot drifts half the bloody winter. Like, not a big thing. In fact, more of an annoyance than anything. In London, any snow... I mean, I can't... I don't, I don't think it's settled like that for four years. Yeah, I know. It was actually so much, wasn't there? For us, anyway. Yeah. And it was so lovely, though, because all the kids were obviously wonderfully excited. And uh, I was going through Richmond Park earlier today, and you just saw the remnants of hundreds of snowmen. Yeah. I know. And do you know what it is as well? Like, where it's been so cold and everything like that, there's not much desire to kind of go out for a walk or go and do something. But when that happens, everyone's like, let's get outside. Well, not you, but... <laughs> not, not me. I, um, I feel terrible about it, but... You know what was really lovely? was everyone who you walked past said hello to each other and smiled and it was like the opposite of what everyone assumes life is like in London. Um, kind mm. of the snow and that shared experience and kids just wanting it to be out. It was like it was like kind of reminding everyone that there was a human side to, the, to, to each other. Wow, that's deep. But yeah, it's true. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, true, it's true, genuinely. No, it is yeah. true. I even even some random guy in a very kind of jovial way kind of threw threw a snowball at me and my wife like deliberately to miss us but just with a big grin on his face in the middle of this snowball fight he was having with his kids. <laughs> it was kind oh, of like everyone just hi. No, to be fair to him, he threw it very weakly and obviously to miss, but was like ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it, was good. it was cute. It was cute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Very excited. Come on, kids, you need to go play in the snow. Actually, I want to go play in the snow. <clears throat> Love it. That was the reality of it. <laughs> anyway, talking of shared experiences, today's podcast is with uh Valerie Vacante, and it is very much about shared experiences because she just presented at CES in Vegas, not in Vegas. So um yeah, we're going to talk all about that. The first virtual CES. We're going to talk about conferences, we're going to talk about um the uh products that she was bringing to the market, and then we'll come back with some commentary and some technology news. 
So today I'm joined by Val. Val, thanks for taking some time. It's what, lunchtime in Texas, right? It is lunchtime in Texas. <laughs> is Texas, you know what, I have no idea if it's hot or cold at this time of year. I would imagine cold, but you might tell me that that's ridiculous and, and I'm proving my ignorance about American geography. Uh, no, actually, it, it kind of depends on the day and it depends the way the wind blows, as they say. Um, right. Yeah, so we can have all four seasons in one day. It snowed last week, and we were wearing shorts and flip flops on Sunday. So in the winter, you never know. <laughs> all right. Well, at least yeah, Ooh, that's that's tricky. At least at least here, you know that it's going to be fairly crap for several months. <laughs> no shorts or flip flops. That's for sure. Look. Um, anyway, you are you are based in Austin. Um, normally, last week or whatever relevant week in each year, you would have been taking a fairly short trip to go to Las Vegas for CES. Obviously, unfortunately, this year it was all virtual. Um, and you were there, though, uh, maybe not in person, but in spirit, to demo a product, right? So, yes, you're right. This year, was it was obviously the first virtual CES for everybody around the world. Um, and, yeah, I, I attended CES from the comfort of my own home this year. How did you find that as opposed to previous years? Because, look, it must be odd. Uh, one of the things I love about conferences is physically going and meeting people and bumping into someone new. And that's obviously a lot harder to replicate in a virtual environment. Yeah, co well, completely. And it's interesting because I've been attending CES since 2015. So over half a decade now. Yeah. Um, and everything from, and you're right, it is like, you know, it's all the prep up until the event. It's sort of like, you know, hey, are you going to be there? Are you going to be there? Let's meet up, you know, um, let's go, you know, do the big walk from the convention center to the Venetian and, you know, eat the crazy food and, you know, all, 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 everything, you know, that's so Vegas about it. Again, the prep to being there, the hustle and bustle. And it's been really exciting over the years, too, because, um, you know, because it, in, in my role, it's been everything from launching products. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's all the the cool, the weird, the the exciting, you know, when you are when you do work in product innovation, you do work in new tech. So there were years where it was like launching connected home products like um, the sleep number smart bed for kids or Honeywell connected home um, to, you know, a number of years where. I was working on a lot of really cool um, toy and game tech. So, for example, one year we were working with um, with Hasbro on Nerf Laser Ops and actually actually going around, you know, in Vegas and having um, these sort of laser tag experiences on the strip, um, you know, as an extension of the show. And, and the same thing, too. If you're ever in Vegas, I definitely recommend having a lightsaber with you because you will meet lots <laughs> of friends and have lots of good fun. <laughs> but everything that you're saying there, it's really interesting because everything you're saying there that makes it CES is an experience about being there and meeting people and the crazy things that you do. Did it feel like CES sitting at home? You know, we already know that there were what, only 2,000 exhibitors compared to normal. You don't have the big stages. You don't have the big, the big demos, the things that you can tactile feel, touch. Did, did it feel like CES? Or in, in some ways, did they have to up their game to make it different from any other conference? Because to be perfectly honest, it's leveled the playing field, right? 
Yeah, no, you're you're absolutely right. What what I will say is um, I, I was actually kindly invited to uh, participate on the panel Retail's New Look, uh, Shopper's Little Helper that aired last week. Um, and <laughs> because we weren't on the Vegas stage, we didn't have the, the big lights in the stage. Um, <laughs> I actually set up a blue curtain and lights to do my presentation uh, as, as part of the show. Um, but yeah, it didn't, you certainly didn't have that same, um, that same buzzworthy feel. Um, there was one of the things that I thought was a plus that CES did is they're actually keeping the platform open until I believe February 15th. So that typically hasn't happened, you know, what, so, so going on, I know, I know that a lot of, a lot of folks have a lot of negative, you know, cause we all sort of miss seeing each other in person. And, and that is true. I miss, I miss seeing all of my global friends and connections in person. Um, but the nice part about the platform sort of being open is that in years past, you know, the last two years or three years counting this year, but the last two years in person, um, I had conducted talks on stage and oftentimes after the talks, you know, there's, there's a lot of people they're they're passing out, you know, the business cards or like, you know, do, do, do what's, what's your LinkedIn and trying to yeah. connect immediately after the show. Um, and, and, and oftentimes you just can't, you can't connect with everyone and you, you hope, you know, there, there's a little bit of, um, FOMO or fear of missing out when, when you don't quite get to connect with those people in person. And so, the nice part about this platform this year is that, you know, boom, you can go in there and see, um, you know, who's a speaker or what company and directly connect with them um, and be able to do that behind, uh, after the show. And so this year I've actually had, I mean, even like this morning had folks reaching out saying, hey, I saw like your talk. Let's connect. Um, and so that's that's kind of the nice part is that extended um, connection, I guess. Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, let's let's talk very quickly then about why you were there because you were introducing Live Area Scan and Go, which is the world's first um, app-free, and that's something we might touch on, contactless payment technology. Um, tell us a little bit more about the product. Yeah, for sure. Well, um, you know, when, you know, obviously with, with COVID happening, um, people are trying to be mindful of social distancing, you know, wearing masks, wanting to get into the shops as quickly as possible. And we, you know, as, as a group of, um, you know, kind of innovators and tinkers and designers and problem solvers, really, we were thinking about that. And we were thinking, you know, how can we create a solution? And, the thing is, is that scan it, the idea of scan and go, right? Being able to go in, scan something and go, that, that's been around for a while. The thing that we did that was different about it and why it's like, you know, uh, that app free is really the differentiator, right? So um, there have been scan and go apps. And what that means for retailers is they have to invest in um, an Android team to to build out that experience for Google Play, or they have to have an, an iOS team to build that out. And they have to deal with the app stores and the development costs and the management costs. And it's like money, 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 right? And we're at a time now where re retailers have to be really smart and wise about where they're making investments. Mm -hmm. um, 
So what we did, <laughs> the little bit of magic that we brought is we actually, uh, you know, our technology is patent pending right now. So we're very, really, we're really excited about that, but patent pending technology. And so we're able to go into a retailer's website um, where they already have, you know, a consumer profiles, they've already got loyalty programs, and then boom, be able to extend that website out. So if I'm already a, a registered customer at a particular retailer, I can go in and just kind of scan the items I want and check out. And it gives the retailers the opportunity to kind of reward customers. Like maybe, maybe I re- I want to reward you more because you used you know the scan and go technology. Maybe you get more points um, on your next purchase for doing that. And so we've we've created this way of doing that. And and the really cool part is we can actually have a test up and running in with a retailer in weeks. So. Um, and it doesn't have to go mass or global. We can do a, a separate test. Um, yeah. It's a lot of flexibility. Oh, look, one of the points that you made there was that traditionally a company would go out and have to hire developers, iOS developers, Android developers. Yet, yeah, interestingly enough, you stated in your release that the, the research shows that the majority of US consumers are downloading zero apps a month with 21% of consumers abandoning newly downloaded apps after one use and 77% never using the app again. So not only does it cost a huge amount to develop these apps, there would appear to be a bunch of research that says that actually that's wasted money anyway. You you are exactly, yes, you're exactly right. Um, that was one of, the, one of the things we talk about that um, is that, you know, there's an app for that, that whole campaign. Okay, that was over a decade ago when everybody was like, there's an app for that, there's an app for that. And people... You know, we're so excited about these apps, but you're absolutely right. Is as it, you know, as it said in the the release and everything, it's like people are apt out. They're kind of they're like, I don't need another app on my phone. I've got the sort of four to five apps that I use, maybe a couple of gaming apps if you're into Pokemon Go or whatever, um, you know, or your fitness apps, um, and 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 that's it. You know, we we don't need the added and. And also there's a lot of um, consumers who are also concerned about, you know, what apps um, from a privacy standpoint, you know, what apps are listening to me, what apps are doing all of that stuff. And so, yes, to your point, the fact that people aren't actually using apps and we're able to help them save money um, is, is a complete win, you know, if you're a retailer. So look, what, what do you think the lessons are for somewhere like a, a CES or if we think about some of the other big tech shows around the world, it normally is kind of who's got the biggest stage and something that's quite showy. And, and you kind of wonder, hey, look, that, that's that's great, but but what does it really do other than, you know, we've got the biggest stage in this particular hall? Um, I suppose there was more of an emphasis to really get across the the relevance of the products that you're launching rather than trying to be too showy about it. Yeah, I, I, I think you're absolutely right. And you know, it's um, when you walk around, like you say, when you, when you're physically there, it's like, Oh, who has the, the big stage and everything. And, and actually at CES this year, there, there wasn't that, you know, you may have like for us, Liveria Skin and Go, this is our first time to be at CES and, you know, we're there alongside, you know, all the big players that are there. So it really comes down to, you know, I think building your community, you know, creating that awareness of, of being at that event and kind of encouraging people to go out. And I think, I think you're absolutely right. It's like, what, 
what are people like, what, what are the trends? Where, where is business going? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, where, where are those growth opportunities and having something that's going to make sense there. And I think just, you know, outreach and, and um, showing your product, you know, having great, great visuals, great demonstrations is going to help you stand out. I think the days of just being a big brand and sort of sitting in the corner and hoping it's like you, you gotta, you gotta be out there. Yeah. yeah. And, and look, what do you think the long-term impact on these shows might be? Because look, I, my personal opinion, you can tell me what you think. Um, but my personal opinion is there will be a surge of people going to these shows once we can, because I think we're all craving that ability to get out and to see people. Right. But once that fades, people were quite tired of taking time out to go to these shows. Uh, I think apart from one or two, where, as you say, there's that kind of like global image feel, it's quite, it's quite a competitive marketplace for shows. And do you think that, that the organizations like yourself will go, well, hang on a minute. Why are we spending X to have a booth at this show when actually, virtually, we got a lot out of this? Or do you think it's going to be a bit of a blend of the two? Yeah, no, it's a great question. I think I think there's going to be a blend of the two is going to be really important. You know, I think that people have kind of, you know, while we miss that connection, I think people are also liking the fact that, hey, I can go, I can pop into this event, I can network with a couple of people, I can see a couple of the talks, bounce out, you know, go go make lunch for my kids, catch, you know, catch the next conference call and and be on, you know, and and get on with it that way. And I think for event organizers, it's going to be really important, I think, to create content and compelling experiences beyond the event. Um, so whereas CES, you know, was obviously last week and they're extending that platform for a month. I think where we're, you know, where there's an opportunity, not only for CES, but a lot of the larger organizations is to have, you know, whether it's sort of monthly spotlight talks or things like that, that keep people engaged virtually, because we've all kind of moved into that way, you know? Well, look, I, I think it's um, a fascinating proposition that you've got. I hope it goes well. Um, I know that it's going to be available on a number of different platforms so good good luck and thank you very much for taking the time to share your experience of a first virtual ces oh thank you so much david i appreciate you for having me this afternoon right first of all um hayley what what do you think is going to be the appetite for people going to these conferences and meeting up in huge numbers and traveling to a city after the pandemic? Because obviously in that, I I kind of set my stall out where I think it is. Do you agree, disagree? Oh, I don't know. I think it's going to be quite a split decision. There's going to be people who are like, right, I want to go, I want to get out, I want to be there. Or there's going to be people who are like, why would I bother when I can just get on it virtually? Yeah, I mean, Val makes the point that there's that flexibility, isn't there, around you can still do the, the kids' lunches or you can pop out and pop back in and whatever else. But I, think, yeah. I know it's big and I know it's kind of over the top and gaudy and not necessarily that important to go to, but I love Web Summit. I mainly yeah. love Web Summit because it's Lisbon, but there is that thing about all being in a place and no one being at work. So therefore not having the distractions of home life or work. And because everybody's there, you can't be like, well, I'll dip in and then I'll actually go and do some other shit. You yeah. fully commit. And I think there is yeah. something in that 
that if you're at a conference for those two, three days there, you are completely immersed and it makes it so much easier to talk to people that you wouldn't normally talk to and introduce yourself to someone new because you don't feel that maybe you're intruding on, oh, well, I've just got to pop and do this now. Bye. You know? Yeah, no, definitely. And I think it's and the relationship aspect as well. I know she was saying that you people are just connecting with each other, but there's not that contact. It's I would find that really hard to be honest with you. I'm I'm a much more social face to face kind of person. Mm. Um, I feel like you get a lot more out of it. I know we've all, all had to adapt massively, but I yeah, I, I absolutely love a, um an event like that. Like the AI event in London. I I loved every minute about being there. Yeah. It's so interactive, isn't it, when you go? And I just don't know if you could you get the same experience on online. I was oh, I don't know. Well, it's like she said, you know, when you when you go down the strip, it's an extension of the show, and you better have a lightsaber on you. You can't stuff like that. Those stupid <laughs> shared experiences. Look, it's it's the same reason, yeah. isn't it, that companies take staff away mm. because as much as you can spend all day in the office and do your normal thing, if you all go away as a group. Again, you're committed to that experience, and there's a different dynamic. Yeah, it's not work. It's not workheads. It's it's more, yeah. than that, isn't it? Those barriers break down a little bit, definitely. And I do think that there's a case for these conferences need to continue and make themselves accessible and offer the online experience and really make it a good one, because I think there's something from from the inclusion point of view that not everyone can afford to go to Vegas or Lisbon or wherever or London, you know, if they're not from here, uh, to come to these shows. And obviously you want to make it uh, available to them and, and not make kind of it basically this, this um, preserve of, of well-to-do people who are able to spend the time out of home, out of, and, 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 and cough up the money for it. But um, I also think there's something to be said for what Val was saying around the fact that it's about building a community awareness, that there's more about where business is going and outreach and it's not just about being the biggest brand yeah no definitely and and also going back to if they did do it online a lot I mean although we work in tech and we understand it there's probably a lot of people out there who who don't know too much about it that actually would be really interested in going so even just being able to log on and uh, and see what they're doing there it probably would bring a lot more people to the to the show do you yeah. not think that yeah open it up give a bit more interest actually re-emphasize why it is that people go to these things in the first place um yeah the network i think it would be massive yeah i mean a lot of the talks at something like web summit are to be perfectly frank useless boring (laughs) talks on the main stage they are yeah no they are like i do not care what Oh, it's, it wasn't, but like, for example, Akon, I think I Akon might have said, or I don't care what Michael Rosberg um, has to say about tech entrepreneur, uh, <laughs> you know, because it's all very well if you're an ex-Formula One driver, right? And you, you were on 20 million a year to basically have a few million quid to throw at some ideas. It does not make you a tech entrepreneur. It does not make, oh, well, it does, but it doesn't necessarily make you a good one. It doesn't, yeah. <laughs> and you do get a lot with these shows where it's, PR value more than anything. Ah, we've got the ex-Formula One world champion. Nothing against him, but we've got the ex-Formula One world champion speaking. Please come and listen to him talk. I'd far rather a name I've never heard of who has successfully invested 
and has a proven track record than someone who's just a very like I'd love to go and listen to him talk about F1 and motorsports. Absolutely. I have no real interest in him talking at a tech conference. Yeah, no, definitely. And these these smaller brands as well, like they've got sometimes they've got a bit more of a story behind it all, haven't they? Yeah. How they've got there. So yeah, I'm with you on that. I think there's definitely something for kind of conferences really thinking about their agenda. And like Val was saying, it kind of it leveled the playing field a little bit. And her talk has been watched a lot online and, and, and afterwards. And that's given an opportunity for people to reach out and talk to her. So I think that's good. I think that's good. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, look, it was it was interesting to, to hear the thoughts. I suppose it's uh, going to be interesting to see when we're all able to travel and the vaccines have been rolled out, what the big conferences do. Oh, I'm, I'm, in, I'm intrigued. Because I want to get back to one, even when you're in London. I mean, I know that Vegas is a little bit, but I mean, if I'm when I'm going Vegas, I'm definitely going there, and I'm going to be trying to reinvent the Hangover, the film. Don't know if I'm going to be going there for a summit. I don't think I'll make it to the summit. <laughs> Sounds like you try to do that from home this weekend, anyway. No, <laughs> yeah, I did. No, I didn't. <laughs> <laughs> right, we'll go to a quick advert break, and we'll come back in just a moment with some technology news. A couple of years ago, Michael and Jacob, two friends from London, were both thinking about their consumption and sustainability as a whole. Michael, a professional footballer at the time, realised he had no options when it came to sustainable sportswear. Overconsumption and underuse was all too common. Hilo was born, a sportswear brand fighting for the planet by changing mindsets. They started with a running shoe made with seven natural materials, and the shoe can be recycled at the end of its life. As a company, they've offset their carbon to beyond zero, making them carbon negative. You can find out more about Hilo and support their mission at hiloathletics.com. That's H-Y-L-O. We support the Hilo movement. Welcome back to the show. Uh, Quick bit of technology news. WhatsApp loses millions of users after Terms update. Hayley, were you aware of this? Do you know what? I heard about it, but I don't really know the ins and outs of it because I just thought the less I know, the less I'll care. So please explain what's happened. To be perfectly frank, there's it's, it's been a poorly executed change of terms of service um, message, uh, which has spooked people because the vast majority of people like the fact that WhatsApp is encrypted, end-to-end encryption. Therefore, what you send can only be read by you and the person you send it to, right? But a poorly explained update in its terms of service has has made a lot of people flee to other services like Signal and Telegram in their millions. The exodus was so large, right, get this, that WhatsApp has been forced to delay the implementation of the new terms, which was slated for the 8th of February, to, um, and to run a damage limitation campaign to explain to the users what changes they were making. So it kind of doesn't matter what the changes are. The fact there are changes is enough to spook people to go, sod it, I'm off. The thing is, if it's not them, it's going to be someone else. I do believe that. Well, I mean, just have a look at these figures. Uh, Over the first three weeks of January, Signal has gained 7.5 million users globally. And according to figures shared by the UK um, Parliament's Home Affairs Committee, Telegram has gained 25 million users. Okay, And in both cases, the increase appears to have come at WhatsApp's expense. Um, Data track from analytics firm um, App Annie shows WhatsApp falling from the eighth most downloaded app in the UK at the beginning of the month to the 23rd by 12th of January. By contrast, Signal wasn't even in the top 1,000 apps, um, yet by um, the 9th of January, it was the most downloaded app in the country. 
in just a three-day period, it went from from not even in the top 1,000 on the 6th to by the 9th, the most downloaded app in the country. I know. And then do you know what it is? So it, it only takes one story, like you said, to begin, to begin with. It's something that's been worded poorly and dealt with poorly. And then as soon as like these other brands get jump on it, I mean, bad press moves so quick. Mm-hmm. So naturally, like there'll be people won't even really understand, but they'll hear like something negative about it, and they're like, and, and other people are deleting it. Everyone's just like, oh, delete it. Let's go with them. The interesting dynamic here, I think, and I did a video with Jack about this as well uh, for Instagram, is that uh, it's a really good example of, of of tech in the 21st century because some people are using Telegram um, to organise uh, in the wake of the 6th of January um, riots in the US because it's hard for law enforcement agencies to track because it is that secure. But at the same time, you go, oh, that's bad. Surely that's bad. We want law enforcement to be able to stop these people doing awful acts. Of course we do. But at the same point, um, Telegram is used by Chinese dissidents who are trying to escape the attentions of the Chinese government and promote civil liberties. And again, because the Chinese government can't get into it. Therefore, if you are a dissenter of, of Chinese authoritarianism, Telegram is a go-to app where you can organize. There it's being used in a really good way. So it's a hard one to know what's right and what's yeah. wrong. The technology itself is not wrong. It's just really secure, but it does mean that it can be used both negatively and positively. Exactly. And it's like, that that's what goes back to my point. Like, if it's not going to be them, it's going to be someone else. Like, terms are going to change. They're, I feel like they're all eventually going to go down that route. Well, maybe not. Now there's a differentiator between them. You know, the, the the big a lot of this I think has come as a push from big tech to try and clean up its act and try and uh, not make safe spaces for extremism, basically, which is a good yeah. thing. Yeah, that is. But but um, you know, it makes it does make it harder for law enforcement because by its very nature, if they do that, they force the users to find the alternatives. Um where those activities can carry on and then it pushes them deeper underground which means that law enforcement has to pose and infiltrate those communities which can take longer yeah well it's interesting yeah it is but it's interesting that it's filtered through to the general population and it's like you're saying just one bad story and all of a sudden there's a big change yeah like i i haven't even bothered looking at it because i just thought I just can't bother to fill myself with negative news, but I I don't think I'm going to delete WhatsApp. It's not going to make a massive difference to my life. I don't think. Interestingly, I've had all, I've had all three for a long time. Have you? Yeah. What dodginess are you up to then? No, (laughs) it's just when you find that various people are on it, like, so so for example, Barney, um, our colleague, Barney Machen out in the Balklands, um, um, working in working in the military, wanted something that was far more secure than WhatsApp. So he asked me to move on to Signal. Right. Interesting. Well, what's, Not because what's... he was sharing anything particularly, he wasn't sharing anything sensitive, but he just wanted something that was more secure because of the fact that the nature of where he was and the work he was doing. Yeah, of course. Well, yeah, that does make sense, I guess, for someone like yeah. that. Um, mm, interesting. I don't think I'm going to change. You know, no, no. I think uh, I think whilst the vast majority of people use WhatsApp, then you'll be there, right? Yeah, exactly. But do you know what it is? It's it's madness, isn't it? That you download an app to message on when Apple iMessage is perfectly fine. Isn't it weird that we actually do that? Well, I have Android, but that said, there is an app coming apparently which allows you to use iMessage on Android. It basically allows you to use all of them 
and it pulls them all into one place. How secure that is, I don't know, but uh, for yeah. for ease of use, that's quite interesting. Um, right, I think I think we'll leave it there for today. Haley, thank you for your time. You are very welcome. I, I hope that you're not still feeling rough from your hangover weekend, um, and fingers crossed if there's snow next time, you can actually enjoy it. I will go and build a snowman. I'll yes, you will. Two, two of them. Two of them, please. 